The Bible says the book of 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 1. The Bible says the wife of a man from the company of the prophets. And of course you know how I read my Bibles. When you we find a comma or a footstop, we'll stop there. The Bible says the wife of a man from the company of the prophets of the prophets cried out to Elisha, and there's a comma, so he paused there. The Bible talks about the wife of who? Come on, let's this. The Bible says the wife of a man from the company of the prophets. Meaning this is was a prophet's wife. And the Bible says she cried to who? To the man of God. Praise the Lord. I will tell you, one of the reasons, one of the challenges that we have as Christians, we cry to the wrong people. We share our emotions to the wrong people. We share our soul with the wrong people. You see, a human being is made up of three components. One, your spirit. Your spirit. It is your spirit. If you look at the Bible, the Bible says uh, in Thessalonians very well that your spirit is the one that carries the image of God. It is your spirit that carries the image of God. And then the Bible says, we are, we, we, a human being carries a soul. To explain a soul, a soul is simply in, made up of three components. A soul carries your mind, carries your will, and carries your emotion. So when Jacob is saying, uh, and say that he does not want to participate in some things that uh, uh, regards his, uh, two of his sons, He's, but he was basically saying in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 40, no, Genesis chapter 49, he was basically saying, I do not want my will, because says, my soul will not partake of their assembly, of their honor, and of their secret places. He was basically saying, my, I refuse that my will may be misused. I refuse that my emotions may be misused. I refuse that my mind may be misused. A human being carries three components. Your spirit, your soul, and your soul, I said, is, a, is in your mind, your will and emotions. And number three, the most famous thing that we see always, the kibodi. Praise the Lord. So now, the woman, the Bible says, the wife of the, prof, of the, wife of, of, of the company of the prophet of of God cried to the prophet Elisha and said, help me. But before we go there, the most important thing I wanted to say is, the problem we have, and that's why I have stopped, is we cry to, we have a habit of crying to the wrong person. When you share your emotions with the wrong person, that person does not help you, but you create a bigger wound in your life. So this woman knew who to cry to. I have a question to you today. Do you know who to cry to? Ask yourself, have, have I been crying to the right person when in need? Who do I cry to? And the Bible says, she cried out to Elisha. Your servant, my husband, is dead. Praise the Lord. At least this woman was wise. Number one, she knew how to cry to the right person. Number two, she does not say, that Kiman I was married to is dead and left me dead. He says, my, my, you are the, say the servant of God, my husband. If you are married, I'll ask you a question. When you are praying for your husband before the Lord, what do you tell the Lord about that man? And if you shall ever marry, learn from this man and um, this lady. She addresses before the altar of God. She addresses the husband the way it's supposed to be addressed. And maybe, maybe, maybe the reason why, my brother, Apostle Joshua, we don't have some breakthroughs in, in our homes is because we assume some positions. And when you're praying for your husband, it is always, I wanted to say Joe, but I want peace on earth when I'll go home. When you're praying for your husband, you only say, Tom, Tom, Tom. Why don't you say, Lord Jesus, your servant, my husband. And see what happens. Your servant, my husband. Try it. And say, Lord, today I am praying for your servant, my husband. So this woman knew that the husband was a servant of God. And even as men, let's, can we be true servants of God? 
so that we acquire the anointing that belongs to us. So she says, she says some, something that is very powerful. She said, your servant, my husband is dead. And you, and you know that he revered the Lord. I love this one. This woman had a testimony of the husband. That even though this man left with me with many deaths, but he, he served God. He honored God. Ladies, when you see some of us men going through many challenges, it is for a season. It is for a season. It does not mean we do not love God. Stand with us. Stand with us. What we are going through is for a season. A season. And my, histo- my, my, my geography, my history, my Bible tells me a season has an end. An end. Come on, encourage us and say, this season shall also pass away. This season shall pass away. And I have discovered it passes away faster if we work together. My brother shared in the morning and said that if you remain in the valley, you will encounter more challenges in the valley. So when I am at the valley, going through challenges, at least be on the mountain, telling me, my brother, you'll come out. Or at least be on the valley with me, showing me towards the mountain. That is where we are going. Praise the Lord. But now, his creditor is coming to take away my two boys as his slaves. Thank God for living during the days of grace. Because, Pastor Irene, imagine if we were living in those days. One of the challenges we'll be having, we'll be having a department for deliverance. So, against creditors. Because the church will be lesser and lesser because most of our children will have. Thank God for the days of grace. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? And today, each of you that is here, the Lord is asking you, each of you that is here, how do you want the Lord to help you tonight? That you should not forget. And that is the title of my message today. How do you want the Lord to help you tonight? This month we said is a month of solution. So the question the Lord is asking, even though this month is a month of solution for us in deliverance, Congrod, how do you want the Lord to help you? Or what do you want the Lord to do for you? The Lord is asking, how can I help you? And the reason why the Lord is asking, how can I help you, is because you have a long register you've taken before the Lord. If the Lord was to wake you at midnight and ask you, what do you want me to do for you? The, most of us actually will tell the Lord nothing. Because you will start by complaining. Number one, Lord, you took too long to come. Number two, you will not even know what you tell the Lord you want. Number three, some of us even may not know the Lord is here. Is here. So the Lord is asking tonight, how can I help you? The Lord is asking us tonight, how can he help us? He ask, he's asking, how can I help you? Just like the servant of the Lord asked this lady, how can I help you? So the Lord is asking for us this month, how can I help you? This is a month of solution. What do you want me to solve? Number one, what do you want to solve? Me to solve for you. Number two, can we work together to solve this issue? Because some of, I've discovered some of the things that we trust God to solve. It is normally a partnership. But sometimes, what belongs to us, we take to the Lord to solve. And it takes longer. Because it's a partner. You do this, I will do this. So I'll teach you four principles in that scripture. Number one, every time you seek God for a breakthrough, understand the Lord will always ask you one question. What do you have? Every time you seek God for a divine intervention in your life, always understand the Lord will always ask you one question. What do you Moses had a very ordinary stick that he walked with, a traditional stick. 
But it is that stick that made Moses Moses. When he remembered, when the Lord asked him, what do you have? And he said, only this stick. And it became the most guarded stick among the Israelites, even during the journey for deliverance or the journey for, to Canaan. He discovered, I'm carrying a we? A weapon. So tonight, some of us have come before the altar of God with something that you are blessing the Lord with. So when you are coming to be prayed for here, say, Lord, I have something. I have said that the Bible properly shows and qualifies itself this and by saying there are only two places you are allowed, you are not allowed to go empty-handed. One, of course, you know is the church, the altar of God or before the Lord. And now my brother, Apostle Joshua, is, uh, people know that would men of God and women of God will be having less prayer for miracles as servants of God. We'll be praying more for you. We pray more for you. But you see, we have to pray 50% for ourselves and 50% for you. Because even the church today has a habit of going before the man of God and the woman of God empty her. And they say, and they quote the scripture and say, no one should appear before me empty handed. And they point to the church, but they remember that they forget the man and the woman of God. That's why I'm saying, for young men and women, young ladies that are here, if you want to be a pastor like me and my brother, welcome. But understand, it is a journey of faith. We are the people that are invited to, to dedicate a big house, yet we live in a small house. And we have to speak with all the anointing, with all the grace of God. And we are to speak heaven to come down. We are the people that are called to pray for a big car. Yes, we drive a small one or we have none. And we have to speak for heaven to come down. We are the people that have got to go to speak and speak deliverance and healing. Yet we struggled with challenges the whole night. Or yet there is a member of our house that is sick. We are the people to go are invited for party. Hallelujah. And to Pastor Karibu for this party. Yet the fridge in our home is empty. We are the people that are invited and told, Hallelujah, Pastor, come for birthday for my children. Yet our own children did not have a birthday party for the last six months because we couldn't afford. Praise the Lord. That's the portion of a man of God and a woman of God. Why? Because you have made the choices. Not God. You have made the Jesus. And then you expect me to speak with all the anointing that I have. And I have a how we have a family at home. So the Bible says there are two places you should not go empty handed. One is the house of the, the Lord. Number two, your mother-in-law. Your mother-in-law. And that one I spoke about last time. So I said four principles I want to teach you. Number one, Every time you are trusting God for a supernatural divine intervention, understand most of the time the Lord will always ask you, what do you have? And the Bible says in verse 2, Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? I thank God for this lady. She said, your servant has nothing there at all. She said, except a little oil. Except a little oil. Do you know mamas that are here and my friends that are here? Most of us, if the Lord was to ask us that question, most of us will fail. You say, I have no? nothing. Yet you have 30 skirts. I have nothing. You have 20 trousers. I have nothing. You have 30 sweaters. I have nothing. You have sufurias that you have never cooked with. I have nothing. Some of us, the store has so much. Some of us have shoes that you never use. I have nothing. Some of us have some little coins put somewhere in a box. Remember those small banks? Yes, I have nothing. God, God never created anybody empty-handed. Never. What we have is Christians who do not know the value of what they have. I have come to discover and I have checked this Bible very well. as God never created anybody empty-handed. What God did, he gave Christians seeds for it to be used for various seasons in their life. 
But the challenges we have, we are Christians who do not who have not realized the the, the, the seasons that we live in, that in this season that I'm living in, this is the seed that I need to plant. I've been a farmer's son for many years. Many years. But I've realized, I used to see their season who plant beans. Their seasons who plant maize. Because there are some, oh, there are some seasons who plant potatoes because potatoes and the beans will take a shorter and maize will take longer time. So maize requires the longer rain. rain. But us as Christians, we live in a time we do not know what to plant for which season. We do what the Kikuyus called Kyududo. Anything goes. And then you say, how come the Lord is taking too long? The question is, what did you plant? Did you, what is required is just, can you just tarry a little bit with the Lord at home? Tarry a little bit in prayer and say, Lord, I need to bless your heart. I need to bless your heart. And you have blessed me with substances. What do, you, do I use for this season? So the lady knew what I have in this season is a little oil. I know you have preached about that scripture for a long time, but wait a minute. Remember, this lady had sufferers in the house. I want you to understand that. She had sufferers in the she had calves in there. She had a kifagio in there. She had the two sons in there. She had bed sheet in there. She had blanket in there. But look at the wisdom. She says, I have a little oil. That's what I want you to understand. She said, I have a little oil. And remember, she had everything that I said. But she said, I have a little Oil. For some of the miracles you are trusting God for provision and supernatural divine intervention to happen in your life, you need to ask, you need to go before the Lord and say, my dear God, I have these resources that you've given me, but only one of them is applicable for this season of my life. Which one do you want me to share with you? And see what will happen. I remember some years back, many years back, when we were married, and we just lost our firstborn, and my wife, thank, we were just married for two years or so. My wife said, I, need you, I didn't need new curtains. I need, it's Christmas, I need Christmas. And I looked at this lady, she's, she's in pain. She's just lost her firstborn. And she's telling me now, and I have a bill to pay in Pisha. And, and Pisha told me, go and raise the money, then you come. And then she's saying, I need to decorate my house. I looked at her, I'm nearly married. I looked at her and I wondered, oh God, now this one, how do you deal with such? Then I looked at her face, I saw the beautiful, that she had long hair flowing, and she's saying, I need to decorate my house. I have a bill to clear with MP. And I looked at her and I saw faith. I told her, can you, what, I, I remember I asked her, what do you have? Can you give me something to pray for? And I remember she brought some cloth, I prayed for them. And we bless somebody else. And our sister-in-law who used to work with the World Bank visited, called us and came to visit. And said, this Christmas I'm taking care of you. And gave us new curtains. And did a shopping for us for Christmas. The question is, what did we? I asked her, what do you? And she gave me what she had. And I used what she Every season of your life, there is a seed that God has given you, hidden in your house or within your net network for you to use. Ecclesiastic says, time and chances happen to all men. Time and chances happen to all. The challenge is, my brother, Apostle Joshua, we do not know what to use for which season. We use some things you are supposed to use for seasons to come. We use some things you are supposed to use for seasons that are gone. And then we say, how come I'm not experiencing God? No. You all that was required is take a little time, pray, and ask God, what weapon do I use for this thing? So the lady knew very well what is required is a little oil. And so she said, I have a little oil. So don't forget principle number one. The Lord will always ask you, what do you have? 
And Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Wait. Before I, let me explain to you. We are talking about a lady full of death. Deaths. And we are talking about, about a lady whom the village had nicknamed Mama Madeni. The villagers, the village called her Mama Madeni. She had a nickname. That, that mockery wife of a prophet who has so much debt. Even the, some of the ladies used to tell their children, do not go beyond, be near that lady. Do not be fine in her home. At least she sells you. She has so many debts. So the village called her Mama Made. But here comes the prophet and tells the prophet, go to the same people and borrow sufuri. Yet when we tell some of you, go and do this, you go, don't go and do. So the same people that mocked, used to mock this lady, she sent back to the same people. My brother, Apostle Joshua, today we need to send them to the same places where they have failed. To the same places you will be mocked, we need to send you today. Because some of you, your miracle is in the same place. So she sent to the same village. She, remember the Bible does not, she was never sent to another village. The same village that could not encounter her. The same village that could not bless her. She sent and she told, go to the same village. Principle number two. Enlarge your capacity. After knowing what you have, the number two, always enlarge your capacity. What the prophet was telling her, you have a little oil. But you do not have enough resources to contain the little oil. Let me give you a revelation. And let me give you a revelation. I have discovered anything that you have that is little presented before the Lord is much. Is everything that you have in your life that you consider insignificant presented before a genuine man and woman of God is, is much? Much. The question is, which man of God or woman of God do you present it to? We carry dif- Let me give you another revelation. We carry different anointing. We are all called man and woman of God. But we carry a different, a, a different anointing. We carry different grace. So number two. Always large, learn to enlarge your kappa. capacity to receive. So she's told, go around and ask all your neighbors. Let me ask you. Does your Bible say all your neighbors? My Bible says, Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors. Hallelujah. I love this. My, my brother has anger this. Go around and around means you will have to walk a lot. And go to all your neighbors. The lady had to walk. The Bible does not tell us how long it took her to go around the Bible says, all your neighbors. In those days, they used to live in a village. Meaning she had to knock every door. They, they had to scamp, they, they sat down as a family and divide a strategy. You will go to these ten houses. I will go to these ten houses. Mama, you because you are the one with, you will go to the, all the ladies. They came up with the strategy. Because the man of God said, go to all the neighbors. My brother, Apostle Joshua, we need to send these people today to all their neighbors. And there will be enough resources. We'll have enough testimonies. But I like the way you are saying amen. But the question is, how many of you will even go to one neighbor? So for you to encounter God, you have to learn to enlarge your capacity that you may be able to have enough to receive. Number four. Then she also said, and uh, don't ask for just a few. Don't ask for a few. Number, number four. Then go inside and shut the door behind you. You and your sons. Let me ask you. He was, she was told to go and shut the door inside. Who are meant to be part of that fellowship? Yeah? Therefore, how come you and the, when, when, we, when you, the Lord speaks to you, even before the Lord manifests a miracle, you're already calling a crusade in your house. 
You call your uncle, the Lord said, gave me this prophecy. You call your auntie, your mother. Hey, there are some miracles before they happen. They only happen to a small group of people that have the same challenge that you're going through, the people that know the pain you're going through, the people that stand with you, not the larger crowd. The larger crowd, even Jesus knew, you feed them with bread. Bread. To the larger crowd, Jesus gave them, the 5,000, Jesus gave them bread. But to all, you notice all the, when he's ministering to the small group, he used to minister his heart. But to the large crowd, he would just do a crusade and give them bread. bread. Get, us, get, get some revelation here. Every time we're within a crowd, if you check properly, you notice that not many miracles happen during a crowd. Most of the miracles during the crusades of Jesus happen within the smaller crowd. The reason why we do not encounter miracles in our homes is because when the Lord reveals something to us, we are quick to call a crowd. A crowd. Learn to speak to a few people that are around you only. People that understand what you are going through. People that have been walking with you. Not people that will walk with you. Let me tell you something else you need to stop. Stop going and sharing very personal things about your life to people that will walk with you. Always go and share them to people that have been walking with. Have, I'm using the current present tense, have been walking with you. Not people that will walk with you. If I'm trusting God for financial miracle, you think I'll come here and tell all of you? No. I will tell those who have been walking with. They know how we have been praying. They know how we have been they know where we put a full stop. They know where we put a comma for our prayers. Stop telling people all, all your challenges. They mock you. You encounter a spirit of mockery. Now you invite unnecessary war to yourself. Learn to tell people your personal issues. People that you have been working with. And they have worked with you faithfully. Not people that will walk with you. At least trusting God for a job. Job gani. Unono ujamata kufika stara date. Job gani. Yati ni muombe. Sasa ndahazo kumba na mnagani. Uyu mwewe mungu wa stara date. Kumbuka yu stara date. At least trusting God for a business. Ujamata warua jauza. Anambia mungu ati business. Business. Ata waru wa jauza. Aimaji anambia mimi ni muombe. Ati ni muombe. Oe mungu wa waru. Saidia ule upatia waru kubwa anze biashara. Those are the people you've been going to. And say pray with me. And then you tell me how come it's not working. <sighs> pray with me. I'm trusting God for a car. Na huyu. Ajai pata gari. In fact, he wants to uh, change my for a bicycle. I'm here, hey, trust, Ndugu, Dada, trust me for, trust with me, God, with, uh, with God to do for me for a miracle of a car. <laughs> the lady goes home and says, Oh God, why is he mocking me? I, 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 I downgraded my prayers from a, a, a car to a bicycle. Now my faith is a bicycle. Now he's coming to mock me. My, God, do not bless that one. He'll mock me. So do you want to encounter God? Learn to speak very personal things. Things that turns, touch your heart. To the people that have been walking with you. Not people that will walk with you. Praise the Lord. And that's why this woman, this woman cries to who? Check the scripture. This woman cries to who? To the prophet who walked with the heart. And even she shares the testimony say, you know my husband. You know he was a man of God. You know he was a diligent man of God. Let me ask you. Do you see prophet Elisha interrogating the lady asking her, who are you? Do you see her, him asking, who are you? Why? He knows. I knew your husband. In his heart he said, I knew your husband. And the only thing that the prophet of God could do is offer a solution. Because he knew the man. And the company of the prophet knew that she cried within the where, where, where her solution lies. So, I said I'll only give you four principles. Number four, 
Learn to do things quietly. Learn to do things quietly. Because she's told, enter Funga Nyumba with your sons. With your sons. Not, not, with, the, not with none of the neighbors she borrowed the Sufriya was, was meant to be part of this miracle. Close the house with your sons. Sour. So learn to do things quietly. Even if you have received 30 prophecies of how God is going to give you half of the city, that is your prophecy. It is your... Stop telling everybody else. Stop telling everybody else. I have a pastor, cousin of mine. Uh, she, he used to be the principal of Tomboya Labor College and he was transferred back to Nairobi. And then he got a promotion to go and work in uh, London. And they, they, were given a house in, uh, uh, they were given a house in London. The children were, they were promised that the, 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 the three boys would be located to colleges and schools there. They, they, everything was set. The, 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 the tickets have already been secured. All they needed to do is now make the final arrangements. So the man of God, being a good man of God, goes and call a fellowship. I told Pastor, we told, my wife and I told Pastor Eileen this story. Goes and call a fellowship and say, <laughs> Hallelujah. And says, we are located, do you know where? London. London. Because that's what he says. In a few weeks you are going to London and that's where we be. So we are saying, in the same fellowship there was an old lady. An old lady. And this old lady went home and asked God, you, have, you are taking them to London where I do not know where it is. But remember God, this is the family that feed me. When I come from town, I normally stop from their house, I eat, and sometimes because I'm old and tired, I sleep. They give me a place to sleep. Who will feed me? Who will give me a room to sleep? God, if you forgot to plan for me, they should not go. Because I need to eat. I'm old, and I need a place to sleep. Sleep. And then you make yourself very generous. You go and speak to everybody. So, uh, something happened. The entire trip was cancelled. Everything was cancelled. So, two years later, they, they went to another fellowship and said, we do not know what happened. We were meant to go. It didn't work out. Then the old lady, thank God, because she continued enjoying her food and her bed stood up and said, oh, it is me. When you said you are going, I asked the Lord, who will feed me? Who will give me my bed to sleep? So I, what I just did, I just protected my bed and my food. And I thank God I've been enjoying it. And then you, you, gave, you, you, you are given some prophecies you go and share with everybody. That God is saying he's going to give me a big house. And it is your small house that ministers to me. And God is saying he's going to give you a big car. And it's your small car that ministers to me. And God is saying that he's going to give you a good job. God said he's going to give me a good job in Uganda. And your small job here in Kenya ministers to me. Get some wisdom. Learn to do things quietly. As I finish because of time, we'll finish another day. The prophet said, then go inside the sh and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it into one side. Put it into one side. The Bible says she left him and afterward shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. With all, with, with, when all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Principle number four. No, let's, let's just go up to number seven. She went out and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. <laughs> Let me tell you principle number four that Mama Jemima is not, we, it's forgotten in the house of God. Principle number four is never forget, never forget the source of your blessing. Never forget the source of your 
I can assure you, my brother Apostle Joshua, if it was the same people we minister today, they would not have gone to the prophet to say, what do I do? The, all the sufriyas are full of, of oil. Pastor Irene, they would not have gone. They will have decided they, they know better than the prophet. But she left all the sufriyas full of oil. Gold. Something that she has never had or seen in her life. But the Bible says, she opened the, the door. Most of us will open the door for the neighbors. Come and see. Come and see. And you know, let me give you a revelation. If she had opened the door for the neighbors, what do you think would have happened? Every neighbor would have carried their sufuria full of oil. And should have been left with death. That is what we do in our homes today. That's why we are not encountering God. So before she opened her house for everybody, the neighbors, she went to the man of God. I don't know what is wrong with these days. These days, God, may you have mercy upon the servants of God. Do you know there are very few of you who come to us and tell, to tell us what, huh? Sisi, tunasikiliega kutoka mba? I have had people here come and give a testimony. Oh, uh, Pastor Joe prayed for me. Oh, 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 three weeks ago. Oh, oh, Pastor Joshua prayed for me three weeks ago, two months ago. Oh, oh. But I was explaining to a friend of mine who is present today. I have, I passed my elementary. I know how to read an SMS. I qualified. I know how to read an SMS. I qualified. I know how to answer a call. They don't come. We hear like everybody else. But when you are coming for us to pray for you, you come alone. alone. Very humble and very anointed and very graceful. But when God does it, we are, called, we are, we are classified as everybody else. And what do we do? We normally humbly clap. If you think we'll ask you to share your blessing with us, we are not that stupid or that cheap to do that. Some of you, there are some people personally I've prayed for and I've given a prophetic instruction. They have never come back. Well, they have never known there was always a part B or part C of what next you're supposed to, to do. And the reason why there's a part B and C and prophet, uh, I mean, uh, Apostle Joshua, you'll understand, understand this principle, is because sometimes when the Lord gives us some prophetic instruction, He doesn't give us full, fully. It's when you come, then the Lord ministers to me. And Prophet Peter will tell you. It's when you come, then I ask the Lord, so what next? And the Lord says, tell her to do this. Tell him to do this. But you really come. Come. And it's true. Let me ask you, lift up your hands, most of you who ask. If you have personally come to me this year telling me, eh, before I share with everybody else, this is what happened. Lift up your hand. You kiss it. There is none. And I've been diligently working hard here. I've been praying. I've been working very hard. None. Lift up your hands again. None. And then you ask me, how come I did not encounter my miracle? It's because I told you what to do, but you became more wiser than God. God. Because the reason why they call me a man of who? Meaning I have to listen for who? The reason why, Pastor Irene, they call you a woman of God is because you listen for who? So this lady went back to who? To the prophet. And said what? All the sufriers are full of and the oil has stopped. Poor. And then what did the prophet say? Go sell. Pay your debt. And live with the rest. Let me ask you even as I close the Bible. Let me ask you. I'm sure you are very good Bible students. But let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen the story of that lady anymore in the Bible? Have you ever heard of her problems anymore? What happened? Her name changed. She used to be called Mama Made. And the village nicknamed her Mama Mafu. And she had never had any debt any? Did you hear of her sons being sold? Did you, does the Bible tell us about her grandsons being sold? There is always a formula in the Bible to 
clear some problems permanently if you know it. Always learn to go back to God with a thanksgiving. Always learn to go back to God with asking God, what do I do next? Always learn, learn to go back to God and ask God, is there anything else I'm supposed to, to do? Most of you need to, before, if I, my brother will do this. We are not too holy today. We are going to ask them to repent. Because most of you have never gone back to God to say thank you. We'll give you a few minutes. Repent. Tell God, you did for me this year, this, this, this. And this month of solution, I'm asking many things. Yet there are many that I'm not done. Done. By coming back to tell you thank you. And let, me, let me explain to you properly. How many of you are married? Lift up your right hand if you are married. I just want to show you. Thank you very much. You are married. And that is your husband. That is your wife. But let me ask you a simple question. How many of you ever went back to the altar with a seed offering saying, God, you gave me a husband. And I don't want to embarrass you, but I feel like I'm telling you lift up your right hand. Who went to the altar and telling God, thank you, you gave me a huh? After many years, many months of praying, you gave me a huh? And by this seed, may you protect that man to keep on loving me. May, by this seed, may you protect that woman to keep on loving what we have, Apostle Joshua and Pastor Irene, is people who come, come keep on coming to the altar and say, my husband, my wife. It's because you never went to say, thank you. And then you are blaming your partner. The problem is you. Let me ask you, how many of you, when you are given children, you went to God with an altar? Not when, you are, not when the child is being baptized or being blessed. Later on, you went with a seed. And say, God, you gave me Joshua, my son. And with a seed to say, God, I have come to say, thank you. What we have are Christians who keep on coming to tell us, he is not doing well in school. What we have are Christians who come and say, he is kichuangumu. What we have is Christians who keep on saying, he does not have enough provision. When did you ever go before God to say, thank you for each of these? For who, who is wise, I'm sure you're writing your list of things to do. Let me ask you, you drive a nice car. When did you ever go before God to tell God you gave me a car that I prayed for? I have this gift to say thank you for that car. What we have are Christians who keep on coming to complain about the same car. For you, you have built a home. When did you ever go before God? Leave the day you, you, you invited a man of God to bless your house. You're, you are sanctifying yourself. Stop being too, 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 trying to be too holy. You are actually sanctifying yourself in the process. That's why he invited us to bless the house. And we spoke a good general prayer or a good prayer. The way it is after we speak that, you are supposed to come and say, God, you bless me the house that I was trusting you for. for. This seat is to speak for that house. You are getting that. Are we understanding each other? When did you ever go before God and tell God, thank you for this job? This offering to say, thank you for this? Away from the fast fruits. Away from the tithe. When? And then you come back and tell us what? They are harassing me in my place of work. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If I continue like this, I may not, I may not have many people to pray for because they will be running away from me. Well, so before, let me be good. I asked my brother, Apostle Joshua, to come as we minister. But I think by now you've gotten a list of things to, to do. And by now you understand why you're not encountering some, some miracles. Because you all got several seeds of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And let me ask the last one as he plans to come. You are in business. When did, when did the last time you ever went to God and said, God, you actually gave me a business. But you gave me a business. This is my seed to say, thank All we have is Christians who come and tell us, you know, they are not paying my, they are not paying debts. They are not, you man of God, come and pray for it. Woman of God, come and pray for it. They are not giving me enough business. All we have is Christians who come and give a testimony. Hey, they prayed for me. Now my business is there. 
empty ha even the mswahili alisema mkono mtupa huu oh kumbe you know haya na kwa nini mnapatia wachungaji wa rambe kama ulambwi praise the lord give the lord a clap for our brother I want to guide us on how to pray and how to minister uh, to one another and how to interact with the Lord. I'll mention three things just to emphasize what my brother was saying. The first one is a testimony and the other two are from the same second kings that he was mentioning. But allow me to go to the second kings so that we pick what the Lord wants us to hear. There's a part he skipped in verse 3, where the man of God is saying, take empty vessels. There are empty vessels all around us. We have empty people. Some are empty because they have no clothing. Others are empty because they have no idea about tomorrow. And why are we insisting about you going out there to be a solution to those in need? Because one of the ways to break curses of poverty and curses of lack and stagnation is actually to go and interrupt the same cycle in another person. What determined how much this woman received was purely the emptiness around her. What was empty was her fullness. What was full was her emptiness. I had an uncle whom I loved very much. In fact, my first name bears his name. And he did so well educating me and supporting me till one day he got tired. And he said, even me, I need to enjoy life like other people. And I remember when I was planning to leave for Europe and I went to him for some financial support. He told me, next year my daughter is going to class 8. I need to prepare for her. And the man had money. The problem with that daughter, the same next year, she was dead. The problem with the same man, after one year, he was dead. And on the deathbed, he told my mom, I wish this boy was around. I transfer all my wealth to him. I regret why I withheld, I withheld the help that he needed. Elisha tells the woman, go pick what is empty. Out of that emptiness, you will find your fullness. And sometimes you may not have the money, but you have prayer you can pray. Sometimes you may not even have prayer. You may have an encouragement. When Christians learn the beauty of emptiness, they will enter into prosperity. I want to ask you, even as we plan to minister to you, and as you plan to bring your foodstuffs and whatever you brought, I want to ask you a question. Who is empty around you? Who is that fatherless boy? Who is that fatherless girl? Who is that uncle-less person? Who is that blind person? Who is that woman who is insecure? Which part of the society you live in is empty? And we have people who have no idea that the basic luxuries they enjoy is a foreign miracle to other people. Every time I meet people who have it together, I begin to ask them, don't you know that it is not normal to have it together? You have a father, there are people without a father. You have a mother, there are people without a mother. And my brother, my sister, emptiness is not a curse. Emptiness is an opportunity. Some are empty because there is, no, there is no man to call daddy. Some are empty because there is no woman to call mommy. That emptiness should not be a curse. It should not be an ISO. It should be an opportunity to bring in a vessel and to bring in oil. Why is Mother Teresa remembered in history? Is it for the mansions she owned? It is for the vessels that were empty. She went filling. 
Why is Francis of Assisi, for those of you who know history, famous in history? Is it for the sermons he preached? No. Assisi was born of noble birth. And he stripped his nobility and he went out in the streets. And he began to clothe the naked and to feed the poor. Today, the best thing many people do when they see poverty, they begin to run away from it and to wish it cannot come on them. Yet poverty is our opportunity to be great. Secondly, the woman did something that we are going also to deal with. The woman, the Bible says, she asked her son in verse 6, she asked her son whether there was any more empty vessel. And the Bible says clearly, the son replied no. And the very moment she, he said no, the oil stopped. Tell your neighbor the oil has ears. Any day you say no more, the virtue on you will be quenched. One time the Lord was using me powerfully. I was a teenager. And I was on demand like a celebrity. One day I got tired. I said, no, I'm not going. I'm also a student who needs to get as the oil lifted. And I began to beg God, oh God, bring it back. The Lord told me, no, I am teaching you a lesson of your life. Never say no. There is no day that is enough to do good. Every day should be a day to do good. Every hour should be an hour to do good. Every second should be a second to do good. The moment you have had enough, you are on your way to emptiness and poverty. And I remember very well the same uncle. I remember sitting with him on the table telling him, Uncle, I just need 30,000 to reserve this slot. The letters are there. Everything is there. I just need 30,000. He told me no. He didn't know by that no, he put a sword on the life of his daughter and he put a sword on his own life. When the son, I'm sorry, it was not even the woman who said no. When the son said no, the miracle the mother was enjoying ended. And some of you, it is your children who are busy Stopping the flow. Some of it is your close friends who are busy giving a negative report. And the negative report is saying no. I don't care if Pastor Kimani wants me to preach 50 times in a day. I will preach. There was a day I was told to preach. I said no. The oil lifted. And I begged God to return it back. And there are people who say enough. I've had enough. I have had enough. That enough may be a shotgun to your chest to end the provision God is giving you. And some of you are saying, I have done enough. I am the one supporting 17 people. It is a turn for another person. It is a turn for another person. You are removing oil from you, giving it to another person. Oh, poor boy, poor girl. You will soon be poor. Because when the oil was told, no more empty vessels. The oil added and the oil stopped. I know some of you come from communities which is unlike mine. In my community, when you have, everybody must have. In my community, when I have money, everybody should also have money. When I have opportunities for school, everybody should be able to go to school. But some of you come from communities that are self-centered. And it is dangerous to be self-centered. It is dangerous to tell orphans no. It is dangerous to tell widows no. It is better to say, wait, we wait on God, than to say no. You remind me of that woman. Every good man who kept coming to her, she kept saying no. And no. <laughs> and no. Now she wishes she can say yes, but the body is saying No. <laughs> Everything has gone south. Nothing is pointing straight anymore. Everything is South Africa. But there were days she was told to say yes. She kept saying no. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. I hope now you realize why the sin of murmuring is so dangerous. Because with murmuring, you shoot your feet and you remain in the wilderness. Through murmuring, the people remain in the wilderness. Not even through idol worship, just through murmuring. Murmuring is when you are busy saying no. Murmuring is when you are busy saying enough. Murmuring is when you are busy saying, I have had enough. The son of the woman lifted his voice and he said, enough is enough. And the oil that they were enjoying also said, good, I am done flowing in this house. I'm seeing a vision, even as we prepare to minister, I'm seeing a vision of a family. You went and closed your gate because the traffic jam was too much. And you say, ah, these people, let them go away. I'm seeing it very clearly. I even see their family. You close the gate and say, wande, wande. let them go away. Enough of people coming in, coming in, coming in. When will they go somewhere else? And that day, an angel came and he closed the resources of the family. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm seeing also a family right here. They're looking at me. You forbade your son from showing other children when they have problems. You forbade him from showing them the way out. You said you should study for yourself. So the door was open for your son to fill empty vessels and you refused. Now the Lord is showing me your son has issues. Rebellion is entering into him. Your son has issues. He can no longer get organized. He's losing his, he's losing his foothold. You need to repent. If your child has a gift, let them use it. If your child can help other children, let him help other children. If he can be showing them mathematics, provided he's not doing it in, within discipline, let your child do it. Why? Emptiness is your fullness. Holy Spirit, I thank you. God, I'm Shindia. I'm also seeing, <laughs> thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm also seeing this time it is two men and three women. Exactly, two men and three women. They used to ask you money to buy drugs. And you say, enough is enough. I'm not a chemist. I can no longer give it. And something has entered your body and you are not even aware it has entered your body. By withholding medicine from those who need it, you are mocking health. You are provoking death. You are telling death, come grab me. This is a serious thing than I thought. People of God, we need to turn back to righteousness. We need to turn back to being selfless. We need to turn back to being benevolent. 5,000 people, Jesus did not say, hey, let them go to the local chief. He did what he could do. He prayed. He didn't do magic. He prayed because something must be done. Anytime there is a knock on your door, don't close your ears. The Bible warns against those who close their ears to the plea of other people. Don't close your ears. Even if you have no solution, at least you can tell God, Lord, I have no solution. At least that is a solution. The Lord is speaking to some youths here. It is true you cannot fill pastor's car with the fuel, but you have a towel that you can use to wipe his car. Because those who are in the business of giving will always be in the business of receiving. We need a mentality and a culture of benevolence. We need a mentality and a culture of being exorbitant in giving. Why? In receiving, we will not have any measure. Maybe you can't buy kiwi to shine the shoe, but at least you can go to the toilet, grab some tissue, and wipe the shoe. Do something. Fill some empty vessel. Holy Spirit. Pastor Joe, you remember I was telling you the story of Kenneth Copeland. And how he went to a, a meeting and he did not have money to give. And the man discovered, I, I don't have anything to give. He began to remove buttons from his shirt. And he gave in the altar. And he said, I have nothing else to give. Today is the richest man among many preachers. 
and the society is saying he is a crook because he's so wealthy. But the man is so careless with his giving. A friend of mine went to Atlanta, to Georgia, and he met Creflo Dollar, and immediately entered the house. The children disappeared to their room, came back with their piggy bank, poured at his feet, and he said, man of God, pray for me. Giving is not about abundance of resources. It is about abundance of the heart. I have not seen people as reckless in giving who are also not as reckless in enjoying the supernatural. The policy we should adapt with all permission from Jesus, the policy we should adapt when we leave this place, no empty vessel shall remain around me. That should be the policy. No empty vessel. Even if I'm praying about it, even if I'm crying about it, I will respond. Lord Jesus, we take authority. Lift your hands, everybody. We take authority. We destroy the spirit of poverty. We destroy the spirit of stinginess. We destroy the spirit of affliction in resources. And we decree from today, no empty vessel shall remain around us. We decree in the name of Jesus, we shall not wait for men from the west or from the east or from the south to come and bring intervention and solution. Lord Jesus, we choose to be the change. We choose to be the agents. We choose to be the benevolence. We choose to be the hand that will help those without hands and the feet that will help those without feet. We choose Jesus. Now stand on your feet. The Lord is warning some of you I know you are waiting to line up here and everything that, that, that kind, but you need a talk. The Lord is reminding some of you, don't harden your heart. He does not hate you. He wants to deliver you and to use you to deliver. I like Joe, how Moses discovers he does not have political power, but at least he has muscle power. So he begins to wrestle these people and to cause a revolution if it comes to that. The man was a giver. He didn't have the throne and the crown on his head, but at least he had muscles. And when he saw these people being oppressed, he did something. Jesus, don't harden your heart. The Lord is trying to touch your heart. And though you may not have resources, at least you have a heart. At least you have tears. At least you have prayers you can offer. I come from a poor village. I may not have the millions to, pour, to pump there, but I'm praying about that village. At least I'm trying to do something. I am trying to mention the poverty in that village to Jesus. I challenge you to do the same. No child should walk barefoot near you. At least tell God about it. And so let me pray. Lord Jesus, I pray today. Open our eyes to the empty vessels. And touch our hearts concerning those empty vessels. Open our eyes, Lord. Many of us are waiting to receive, but we need, first of all, to position ourselves to give. To give prayer, to give resources, whatever we have, to give it, Lord. And as we give it, let us be able to see tangible results. And now we repent, Lord. And I hope somebody is joining me. We repent. For ignoring the empty vessels. We repent for pushing it to the government. Pushing it to the church. Pushing it to the next rich man. And the next rich woman. Lord we repent. And we ask you today. Engage us in a culture. Engage us in a lifestyle. Of giving more than enough. Of giving and out giving. And giving and out giving. Every day of our lives. The Lord is giving us a promise. And I'm seeing Psalms 37, 35. Let me read for you. Actually, 35, 27. Not 35, 37. 35, 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. The word there is cause. A cause is like a mission. A cause is like an agenda. A cause is like, it's like a concept. What God comes to favor is not you. He favors the cause. 
You want to buy shoes for children? That is what God will favor. Not you. You want to eradicate the Singong Road from renting a premise? That is a cause. That is what God will favor. And I want to ask you, it may, it may look reckless. What is your cause? How big is it? Because tonight, we are going to anoint causes as you connect with Jesus. The woman has a cause, my dear brother. And what is our cause, as we have been shown by our brother? The cause is to liberate our children from slavery. They are about to make our children slaves. Therefore, she goes to a man of God. And the cause of liberating our children, that is what brought the miracle. What is your cause? I have a cause. I may not say it publicly, but God knows it in heaven. I cry day and night about it. What is your cause? Is your cause just to get a good food and eat? Or is it bigger than your stomach and bigger than yourself? And some of you, yes, you have issues that are pressing. But the woman was more pressed than you. Yet she still behaved the adult. She went for something bigger before the man of God. So this is the prayer we are going to pray. Lord, favor our cause. And those of you with the pens and papers, or you have notebooks where you can write, prayerfully write before the Lord, this is what I'm after. This is what I'm up to. This is what I want you to favor. And even the children, do not be left behind. Ask your heart, what is it that is burning in me? What is it that is pushing me? What is it that if I had the opportunity, I will see to it that it is changed? And let us present it before Jesus.